Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Open Africa podcast. Uh, I'm Furo and I have the regular suspects here with me, Nusan Laulu. Hello everyone. Alright, so on this episode we'll be discussing some interesting news. Um, so I'll just, we can just jump right into it. Um, so first item is Mono. So Mono has raised $500,000 um, in their first round of funding. Any thoughts on this? Um, first thing that jumps out is it's less than Okra. <laughs> but I guess uh, I, like, I'm, I'm surprised they, couldn't, they didn't raise as much as Okra. I, I mean, this is less on them and more on people like giving them the money if, if somebody's giving okra one m to solve the problem clearly that they feel there's a big enough there's a big enough what's that called so there's a big enough market there for it so thing, maybe the terms are different i don't know exactly the thing for me is and these um raises this fundraising rounds for fintech is not straightforward like that so it depends on the investors you meet it depends on what time you meet them, so how much funds they actually have available left in their pool for the year, whatever. Like, there are many factors beyond just the proposition that, you know, come into play. So, and it could also be what they ask for, you know. Different businesses have their own way of, um, how do I put it, valuing themselves. Like, this is similar, but then, you know, their tech stack might be different. Their the number of people they intend on hiring might be different. So there are a lot of yes, factors that could come into play in terms of them raising just five hundred. I mean five hundred K is not just but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as far as what they do, I I'm very excited about the product for me, like personally, I mean from like a CUDA perspective. This is something that I have been looking forward to doing. So, like, looking for like a solution like this to do to do. So, now, so I've played around with theirs. I've played around with Okra as well. Uh, I mean, still very early stages for both, but the potential is really, really great. Um, as far as difference, I, I just, both of them look. They're more or less the same to me. I mean, I. I I'd say maybe Mono is like more developer friendly and Okra is more non-developer friendly. So like I can set up like a widget and play around and like with like a demo, with like a demo and like test things with like Okra. With Mono, probably need to get my hands a little bit dirty. But either way, I like both of them because I just remembered when, was it Remita? Yeah, I think it was Ramita that tried to do something like this where you could manage like, or they <laughs> built on something like this where you could, they had like this app where you could act, connect all your bank accounts and transfer money and it just never took off because, I mean, it wasn't very good to be fair, but it just never took off. So it's, there's, there's a lot of opportunity for people looking to build like PFMs, uh, like stuff like Mint, for example. Um, there's very big opportunity. I mean, budgeting apps are cool. 
is not there for loan apps there's definitely a lot connected accounts which i i want to do uh at in my personal capacity but yeah yeah there's yeah. there's definitely a big market and i'm really excited for it yeah really i mean i'm really interested to see how they play i mean beyond just even connecting there like people to have access to all their accounts in one place there's the lending bit as well so you know um giving all types of organizations access to all that transactional data that they can use to make i guess lending decisions and yeah and the likes so it's definitely interesting times um we'll just continue to monitor both of them quite closely to see how they evolve i think what's it called um there's a there's a bit of a challenge of i think what laulu was speaking of before the call as far as getting people to like you know to believe in it because especially after like banks have been telling people not to like give out your password and stuff so going on another platform and putting your platform putting your password and your your stuff inside yeah that be a bit iffy for anybody that has that's a little scared of like the internet or scared of technology yeah that's yeah let's go ahead no nah, i was just i was agreeing with him but i guess it's just one of those things that perhaps over time as they sort of like as they build their name and they partner with more um financial institutions um people will get more and more comfortable um with them because if plate can work out in in america that then i don't see why it should take so it should be hard for it to catch on here but yeah, yeah. Uh, america and nigeria <clears throat> I mean, there are differences. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Americans are a whole lot more trusting yeah. than than Nigerians, and then I, our security controls are much stiffer. Might just be me, Admittedly, I don't have a lot of information on this, but that's what that's the impression I get. Anyways, moving swiftly on. <laughs> um, Paga has moved their company. Would I say the HQ? in quotes um from mauritius to the registered jurisdiction from mauritius to england we saw the founder wrote a whole thread around you know the pain of setting up your business in mauritius um yeah nusa you had some thoughts around this but my i mean I guess also commercials isn't like popping anymore for like guys looking to escape tax. But what I did learn from this thing is apparently you can get like the same tax benefits from doing it in England, which is like a no brainer. For now, it seems like wow, how do more people do it instead of like doing like Delaware, Delaware Corps, or you know, going for like the standard offshore one? But obviously, I don't have the, I don't have that money, so I've never really looked into that kind of thing. So it's only way have money at least start looking for offshore now because yeah is that this you know what's it called when they're talking about like cbn cbn taking your your dom accounts and converting it to nara we were like oh you do you should do offshore account and i was like wow uh let me go look up the requirements for like an offshore account 
and I saw like minimal balance, and I was like, yeah, this is why this, this is not really on like on my radar. <laughs> it's good to know, you know, you're just... Sorry, lovely, you were saying something. Like I was asking if you if you guys have actually seen the the account opening requirements. Yeah, I started absolutely. the process. I was looking at and just like, gave up. Yeah, I was like, uh, I'm just going to buy crypto like regular poor people. <laughs> Please, poor people are using crypto. That's the way. I was I, I was seeing what's so called. There's there's one thing I saw on Zero Reuters or something. Do you know that they're like Bitcoin kiosks in like Alaba in computer village where you can buy bitcoin like you're buying the charge card are you being serious i i, I know i've seen i'd seen the one time there was this bitcoin uh, kiosk that was being passed around i saw the information somewhere but i didn't think it was like a real thing yeah apparently that's how guys are important for now I'll be saying about is it computer village. Wherever I shall, wherever they sell technology, um, it's computer village. Yeah. So because CBN is not giving guys FX, so when they're importing from China, they pay with like Bitcoin. Nigerians always find a way. Even enemies, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it may, it may make this more. I think it's just waiting for you. For you banks to like, you know, properly accept it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that, now that the SEC has like, SEC given like a, I mean, it, but is the is the closest to this is the closest to legal Bitcoin has ever been in Nigeria. Until banks here from CBN, we shall, you know, continue to abide. But, um, but for the interesting thing is that. Um, SEC recognizing crypto is is huge for a number of reasons. One is that even though banks may still not be able to touch it because of CBN regulation, people playing with crypto can, provided they, they meet the requirements of the SEC, can leverage bank infrastructure to provide services around this with no recourse to the banks. Today, exactly, because I remember banks are closing accounts of exchanges. Yeah. So today, they already do that without, even before the SEC gave gave that um, position on it. It was already happening. Um, all them buy coins and Quidax and, and co. It was already happening. So now that there's some sort of legitimacy that has been provided, it, it for me, it opens the doors of, of opportunities, even for banks to play without necessarily getting too involved but now you can with confidence provide certain services to players in that space i think it's huge yeah i mean now i'm on the same page with steve with regards you know sec giving their basically thumbs up to it is fantastic you know but i think banks will still take time to digest the information before they're not going to just jump into you know making decisions and start running um, yeah. yeah with these things i mean it's our loss to be to be if if i'm being entirely frank with you um and i get why they might take their time and and all but if the market is moving the market is moving you know it's an opportunity for for the current players in that space to even ramp up their their numbers and maybe 
even get a bit more aggressive with their marketing. Um, I feel like you, what's it called? That guys will be slow until GTB does it. And when GTB does it, that's when you guys will not be like, oh, wow, we should have done it. But there is a big, big opportunity in crypto for banks. Like, uh, I don't know. I, do you guys know? You guys know Cash App, uh, like Squares Cash App. Yeah. Like they made a lot of money off of crypto in the last, like I think the last quarter. Like while everybody was suffering from COVID, they were like eating up commissions on the, on crypto trade. So I, I think getting involved somehow, some way, if you can, if you can be legal, however it is, there is a big opportunity for everybody, especially in a climate like ours where currency is volatile and NFL is just doing whatever it wants. There are lots of people Binance is seeing huge numbers as far as as far as trading is concerned. So whoever the first person is to be a crypto friendly bank is going to eat money. It's going to eat. Where where I mean continue to monitor and see how banks respond to it really. Um so moving on to the next item today, Patricia, Nessa, do you want to take this? Yeah, this this one is I don't even know where I could start because I don't understand the business. I'm very confused about Patricia, but I guess this is either so it's either Patricia is a validation of what I'm saying about crypto being big business, or there's something else that's happening. Because I mean, how many people are familiar with Patricia? Like, are you guys familiar with Patricia? I think the first time I saw it, I thought it was fraud. <laughs> I have exactly. myself. I have. Because I have, that flu is just, like, the opportunity for misbehavior is just, is just a lot. Like, I don't understand. Like, I see it, but I don't understand it. It's like, oh, come on our platform, I can sell your gift cards so you like, what yeah and then the tagline some call it magic we call it convenient it all just comes across very i don't know but maybe that's people buying financial omo that's what is <laughs> happening there. people have bought financial omo and they are having their way with some dirty linen that's the impression that i get i could be wrong and if so somebody I'll, I'll... wants to explain patricia's model to me i'm willing to learn so I'll tell you something. So a couple of years ago at Andela, uh, Andela used to give developers like money in I think in paper or something for like to buy food whenever they went out, like when they went on like um, whatever with their clients outside. So you go out, they'll give you like an allowance for food, hotel, transport kind of stuff. But obviously when you come back, I think you remit what is 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 a bit like how in banks and they give you per diem or whatever. You have to like remit like the change. Now guys were buying gift cards with the stuff and were saying, "Oh, I needed to do, I needed this for this, I needed that for that." They're buying gift cards and they're treating it for cash on platforms like, you know, Patricia. And it got me thinking because it's like if you were doing the if if you're a criminal uh, or you're doing love, whatever, or if you're a, a fraud guy, getting what's it called, getting 
the, one of the best ways to claim money is by buying stuff and you know selling it you know like before guys used to buy when i was uni guys used to buy like gucci belts and and trainers then you sell it off for cheap or you buy like iphone like an iphone you get like an iphone like a stolen credit card for like i don't know standard iphone pricing maybe you sell it for like 800 dollars you're making a loss on the iphone but you never really had that money in the first place so it's like 800 dollars and like pure profit which is the same thing as like you can still like your credit card and just buy like a whole bunch of gift cards and come on patricia and liquidate it and i yeah. don't understand how this is legal or not regulated i, I mean they have like a whole and we have our anti-money laundering policy. Yeah, we have a compliance. We have a compliance team and whatever. But I was like, this is. If I was a fraudster, Patricia, my best friend. Yeah, you know, you know, the interesting thing is, um, I was watching. There was a time that I was fascinated with um, videos on YouTube where some guy used to like reverse hack scammers. And one of the things that used to happen was that, like, he would run the entire scam, or he would pretend to be a like a computer illiterate um, from his virtual machine, and then he would then like reverse hack the scammers. And one of the things they used to frequently ask for um, as payment for giving you access back to your files when they when they like fake delete them is that they'll ask you to go out and buy gift cards. And that's because gift cards are like one easy way to convert, you know, fraudulent money into clean cash. And I just found it very interesting that people will have a business model centered around like the conversion of gift cards into value. I think it's very interesting. Do you, yeah, do you understand? And <laughs> from another side. From what's from the outside, it appears like they're making a lot of money from doing this. I mean, I was driving down Bodilon today, and like the owner, the CEOs was driving like a G wagon with like personalized plates and Patricia logo on it. I was like, ah. is they're eating though? They're, this guy's eating good. <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing in my life, but this guy's eating good. I was like, this is off something borderline. I mean, I, I don't want to cast aspersions on this business before anybody like sues me, but. It's very close. It's very close to what you are doing. It's very dodgy. Hmm. Uh, well, I mean, may, they, may everybody, you know, do their business. <laughs> and I guess with time, <laughs> we will know. We'll so, so if you've been on the... So, so they're sponsoring Big Brother this year. Um, they signed up so many influencers on their social for, like, marketing, like, as a, as ambassadors, like they send like the two top Big Brother guys. They send up like that comedian guy that does the funny faces on his thing on on Instagram. There's just like a whole bunch of people that are like, you know, internet celebrities that they signed up. And I was like, this is very aggressive marketing. Uh, it's like nobody has nobody has been like, hey, what's going on here? Like no regulators been like, hey, what's going on here? Or, but I guess they don't fall under any regulatory. I think when CBN is ready, when whatever regulator is ready, they will come for them. Like, 
The thing is, like Nigeria, sometimes we're slow in terms of catching on to these things. They have like a debit card issued by Rubies. Uh, I think Rubies does their virtual accounts as well. I think if anybody gets like his card, you probably be like Rubies if there's like illegal or whatever going on. But oh. man, it's very, it's, it's still very wild. <laughs> I want to believe that the entire thing is clean. But if there's anything I know about this country, the day they start seizing people, they will seize everybody, like from rubies to whoever, whoever is responsible for anything, they will carry everybody involved. So, and I also want to believe that somebody has noticed um, this thing from like perhaps the EFCC. And the reason why nothing has happened is because they are actually legit that's what i want to believe but the banker in me has misgivings well kudos to them moving on to businesses that we're really excited about prosper Laulu. you know the interesting thing is that this prosper thing started out as a joke i'm not sure how we made it into this podcast because <laughs> all i wanted to say was that oh i really love like their user interface i it was a couple of episodes ago that we we're talking about um what what um startup of which company in nigeria has like the best looking apps i think we even ran a poll on twitter right yeah that was season one yeah right now i think prosper has the most visually at least to me i feel like they have the most visually appealing app out there in the market today I think for me, I'm like really, I, I love the fact that they're truly targeting business, businesses, and they're like solving for business problems. So they, uh, well, looking at their features that they, I mean, some of them are not live, but there's the whole helping you to register your business. There's also like getting your TIN number um, as well, which can be like daunting because yeah. like, for business new business yeah. i mean if you if you know getting thin is actually not difficult but it's that knowledge gap that makes it daunting um what i will say is help like providing a service where you, you can help people get their team number is actually really great especially given the direction that we're seeing um the firs taken in in nigeria where they're sort of asking banks to exclude certain services from businesses if they don't have a a tin number so if you're that person who on your platform at the point of onboarding you're able to provide this service to so a customer who may not have their their tin number i think that's great so and i think I need, I need to copy that um have you seen what's called have you you should also check out brass yeah. yeah, I was going to I was going to add that, um, but I haven't seen their app. I don't think they have it on iOS. Yet. No, no, I don't think but they don't have a web app. Still like web. It's still web. Yeah, it's minimalist and white and just good looking. You know, so I'm I, shameless. I open accounts everywhere. So I don't. So I think that's where, as far as like digital banks are concerned, I think that's where you actually make money, like for. As far as SMEs, like helping SMEs, because I think I, SMEs are more likely to pay for certain services than versus like 
individuals versus individuals so like in like individuals will give you numbers and maybe they'll give you floats and whatever but as far as making because profits off the actual customers i think smes are the way because i don't think smes are as price sensitive versus like individuals so like individual stuff like free transfers can be what to shake you and move you and be like, oh, I'm moving here because of free transfer. But like, yeah, the new bank is not really making that much money off you. But for an SME, stuff like all these tin, they already are going, they're, they're going to pay their lawyer or whatever for a tin in the first place, or they were going to pay for business registration in the first place. So this is like an opportunity for a digital bank where you partner up with someone like DIY Law and you get somebody like a business at onboarding or maybe within a week of onboarding they would there's 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 big opportunity for people for someone to pay like that's i think that's because even looking at in europe for for example like um, the neo banks are doing well like starling is doing very well and starling has been very aggressive but in the sme in the sme offering so yeah i think that's where the money is for like a digital bank I personally was quite excited by what they're doing because, I mean, yeah, I've done plenty company registrations and it's just so, yeah. Yeah. To to validate Nosa's point about SMEs being less price sensitive, in my experience, that has actually been um, true. Um, Although I I will admit that my experiences don't account for for everyone. But when I was still like... um, managing portfolios and, and whatnot, we we used to frequently see cases where SMEs would shop around with a um, offer letter for credit. Like they would go to different banks and say, look, this person has given me this. But they typically won't go to like the, 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 the bank that offers them the lowest um, interest rate. Like, if that's not their primary bank, they may not go with that bank. Like, SMEs can take, you can offer them maybe 22%. They'll shop around with it and then come back to show you that, oh, they have an offer of 21% from somewhere. And you say, look, the best I can do is 21.5 and they'll go with you. Like, they typically tend to follow value as opposed to just blind, blind pricing. Because there are implications for their business many times and how, how good their bankers are. So perhaps that's the difference. And perhaps that's where, like you said, uh, neobanks should be focusing. But it's not just neobanks, even traditional banks. Like There's been a lot of focus on you know digit, di- digitizing the experience for retail users and not enough on like the business customer experience. Because a lot of... Yes. Business banking customers have to do. They still have to like rely quite heavily on like branches. I think for what's called because of compliance and risk, I think it's going to take a while before big banks actually shift in that direction. Anyway, why you guys go back to the office on Monday? Just let them. Just let them know that compliance and risk is what's holding you guys back from achieving your truth your true potential in this business because can you imagine talking to like your head of compliance and saying you want to open an account for a business online 
and they'll be asking you, how do you verify the CAC? How do you know the owner of the business? How do you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, so the thing is that from experience, <laughs> banks have been burnt. So there's always that, you know, apprehension because of past experience. But I'm sure, like, you, I mean, we'll see. We'll see, like, fintechs are showing new ways to do things. Um, and I'm sure, like, banks are not trying to just sit down and let lose market share without responding. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's an argument to be made on this online account opening thing because even after customers provide all these documents, the legal search that you do provides the documents again. So if you're going to charge somebody for a legal search, you might as well just give them access. But that's an argument for another day. And it's an argument that I've had with with compliance. And interestingly, legal took my side on some things, but let's free it. <laughs> also, please, I'm still working remotely. So I'm not going to the office on Monday. Thank you. Just just send them a message on Teams and just let compliance know that. Oh <laughs> my God. God. That this really guy was holding you guys from achieving your goals in this business. Thanks for the advice, Lisa. We have heard. On to <laughs> last, <laughs> the last item for today is the interesting news coming out of Rwanda, where banks are um, moving from deploying ATMs across Rwanda to um favoring agency banking so there are a number of reasons why they're doing this and Nusa, do you want to just shed a bit of a bit of light on this okay yeah so i guess the, for the big reason here is that atms are expensive to maintain and but rwanda is a small country population wise um i think the banks in rwanda are starting to see that it's not just it's not like in Nigeria where it's like a person contest where you want to have your ATMs everywhere. People are just wising up and be like, it's not just a good use of our of our time or money because uh, the routine, co- the maintenance cost of an ATM are still ridiculous. When you when you can offer the same cash in cash out to an agency banker, so I'm I this is something I think that wants to go that's going to come to Nigeria soon, maybe like next year, more banks will start seeing this thing and be like, I can just partner with like a kudi.ai and allow this whole ATM thing go. Because that's where it is. In remote areas where there are no ATMs and no branches, like in Lagos, like in Nepal or something now, there are plenty of agency banking guys that, that are mopping up money there. So might as well just support them more and you reduce your costs, just give them the POS, charge them for the POS, and you actually make money off of, off of that than what you're spending, what's called almost like $4,000 on like an ATM to like maintain and stuff. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. Um, the ag- agency banking is like picking up quite a bit here as well. In all fairness, there are a lot of, um, let's say, super agents that are taking off the task of, you know, um, building that network of people that will go to the remote areas to offer these um, services that were traditionally offered just by banks. So I guess it's a case of just monitoring the situation and taking note, I guess, from the work being done in Rwanda that perhaps, you know, um 
you, the Nigerian banking, um, would I say, the banking ecosystem is very, very competitive, and a lot of things that are done just based on competition. No real sense, I would say, sometimes. So, I mean, it, I think as banks are getting access to more data and getting smarter about leveraging data to make decisions, I think that you start to see that, you know, while there will still be moves that are made based on being competitive, I think banks are just going to become smarter and smarter about, you know, how they make critical decisions for their business. Like, beyond following the money, it's also following, like, users in terms of, like, what the users are doing with your platforms. All right. So, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Open Africa Podcast.